0: Welcome to the Recover You Podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhune. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> I am excited about today's topic. Because
1: are we going to introduce our names?
0: I'm Kyleen. and
1: I'm Patrick. And
0: he's Patrick. It's episode four, Patrick. They know who we are by now, okay? But what they don't know is when we're recording this, which is January 28th, which is three days prior to two year, two years in recovery, the the yep. the D day anniversary.
1: D day anniversary. I prefer recover
0: Adversity.
1: Adversity? <laughs> Recovery. Okay.
0: So I choose to view it more of a recover
1: anniversary. That's just a good way to view it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Rather than the day anniversary, because I think it's something to celebrate.
1: It is something to celebrate.
0: So congratulations.
1: Right. Thank you very much and congratulations to you as well. <laughs>
0: Three days away from making it, surviving. I know. But I think we have done more than survive. I think I we think are now, too. at least now, finally, after a long time.
1: Cat. That was the cat.
0: <laughs> finally, after a long time, in thriving mode.
1: I would agree. So, right.
0: Patrick thinks that we're going to talk about the um, more of the process, of um, therapeutic process And um, I thought it would be because we're at two years. We're three days away from two years. I thought, why don't we do an interview spontaneous without you being prepared?
1: Wow. (laughs) it's all been a ruse.
0: (laughs) Well, we can still record those other episodes. They're coming. So we we will record about the impact letter and the empathy letter and the therapeutic process and all of that. But I thought it would be really cool right at the cusp of two years Mm -hmm. to just do a one-on-one interview with you. Okay. And your feelings and your thoughts, yeah. and uh, not have you stress about being too pre- Stress
1: now <laughs> no, just
0: about being oh, too fine. prepared about it. Okay, so is yeah. that okay? Yeah,
1: that's fine.
0: Cool, cool. All right.
1: Oh, you even had it prepared. I prepared too. questions. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: I prepared. <laughs> I was ready. All right,
1: all right. Let's but I didn't it.
0: want you to stress out. You know, ahead of time, I kind of wanted to surprise you with it. Yeah. I thought it would be good, good for you to just answer um, off
1: the cuff. Yeah,
0: how you're yeah. feeling and, okay. and stuff like that. Okay. So the first question that I wanted to ask was, how did you feel when you were in the addiction? So talking about um, maybe the emotional progression that you had throughout the years and what that looked like from when you thought maybe is the starting point to discovery, the emotional progression, the mind progression, how you felt, how you thought about it.
1: Oh, wow. So, so, I
0: should have given you time to prepare. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay.
1: So, um, you know the the uh, the genesis of it was in a previous relationship going through some really difficult times, and I, in my unbelief, I guess, in my lack of awareness, um, I felt like. The I, I'm I'm trying not to describe the old story, you know I'm trying to protect uh, protect people there. But essentially, I was care- I was a caregiver. I was a full time caregiver, and um and there was a uh, there was a lot of pain in that, a lot of hurt, and um I was committed to be a caregiver for the rest of my life, and so you start to rationalize some things. Well, if I have to do this for the rest of my life, well then how do I handle? what I believed at that, that time were some needs, right? So that's how it started. Um,
0: you believed, like, clarify, just clarify that really quickly.
1: So um, the, the relationship I was in was not sexual at that point. And so I believed that, I, and I didn't want to step out, you know, in, in, my, in my sense. I didn't want to, like, have a physical affair or anything like that. I was not going to do something like that. And so it led to more looking at pornography and different things like that so it was a little bit of a of a i guess you could say a deliberate escape right a deliberate escape thinking that well this would make me feel better i do remember not feeling better like it just i did not feel better i felt um like and there were so many emotions through that time it's kind of hard to, to you know there was there was struggle over the 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 changing of the marriage struggle over what my responsibility was as a husband at that point and what my responsibility was as a father. So, you know, in in a lot of cases, we seek things to help us numb the pain and very rarely do they ever do they actually, I would say never, do they ever kind of soothe what that pain is. So, you know, going from that moment um, of kind of like, what am I doing? This is not, you know, this is not really helping um, not really understanding the addictive nature of it, so then you feel bad about going back to it. But I would say as it progressed over the years and um, being able to, quote unquote, put it away for a while and feeling really good about that and um, then having it come back. And, you know, you and I have had that question. You're like, do you remember when? And, and like, I can't remember when. It, and that always kind of hurt you a little bit as, as to when that was. But it came back and it just just feeling more and more like it was inescapable. And I remember as time progressed, the, the you know, I I always describe it as anguish. Um, But it's these senses of like, is this is this how it's going to be? Is this going to be my life that I'm always going to be that guy? And you start to progress forward or project forward and like okay so I'm a widower right and I'm 85 years old and I'm in a, a nursing home is that still gonna be my life and you feel that way you feel like there's no way out and and so trapped um, anguish uh, confusion as to why you can't you can't beat it um, and generally that was like part of my story is I was I'm, I'm a pretty determined guy and I can kind of do a lot of things and I've accomplished a lot in my life and and so this was very confusing because it was really, you know, counter to, and I knew how much it would hurt, you know, which is one of the barriers to kind of coming out and saying something about it. I knew the, um, I knew the truth would hurt a lot of people. So, you know, when you believe that the truth hurts a lot of people and you're doing something you you don't really like and that, that generally people wouldn't like, well, then what do you do? You keep it a secret. And then that just keeps feeding it and feeding it and feeding it. So... I think generally, you know, and and I've had um, I've had a lot of my West Point or we've we've lost so many classmates at at West Point you know, from my class. And a lot of them have have unfortunately died by suicide. And that really started to weigh on me and and thinking about maybe there was only maybe there that was the way out, you know, because but then then what would hit me there is I would be like, But I can't do that to you because you and Keegan rely on me so much. And so it was getting really desperate. I mean, it was just getting more and more and more and more desperate. And so um, that's where I was up until like the point of of D-Day or disclosure Mm -hmm. or whatever.
0: Um, Mention, maybe like tell us how how your view – from the moral perspective how did that change because you got into right. it yeah. so you were so you have like this conflict of morality right mm-hmm. where you're in a in a marriage that you say well I want to stay faithful and yet, I'm doing this behavior that now you view as unfaithful. But at the time, did you think that that was cheating? I
1: didn't. I didn't view it that way necessarily. I was not as convicted. I really was not as convicted about it. And you know, and I think part of it is you know, we growing up in our in our house. You know, my mom had strong feelings about it, but not really my father. And you know, some of the early exposures, in a sense. Um, not necessarily pornography, were with my family. It wasn't. They never exposed me to pornography at all, but it was like certain things that were inappropriate for a kid to watch, you know, and stuff like that. And so, no, I just didn't, I didn't feel as convicted about it, didn't really feel like it was a problem, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But as, as we came here, and, and, I, and I've thought through this because um, the memory came up on Facebook a couple weeks ago, it was my mom baptizing me and you baptizing Keegan. And so what happened was you and I got together um, and I was already starting kind of down a more spiritual journey. Like like you and you talked about this, like you you noticed that I had started going to church with Keegan before you and I met. So I was starting to kind of seek that path. And um, so same thing. I was kind of broadening my my uh, sense of of spirituality. I was you know volunteering in the church. I was doing, I started reading through the Bible. I started doing all of these things to try to, to grow more in that area. Um, and so it became very much, I think it, it, you know, I, and that probably, uh, fed the shame. It absolutely fed the shame even further. It fed the notion of trying to fix it on your own because now it's really, really wrong, right? It was Moderately wrong before, but now it's even really, really more wrong. Because you're viewing
0: it now as like a moral problem and absolutely. as if, were yeah. you at that point viewing it as infidelity? Because I know that we had this conversation after Discovery where I was like, This is cheating and you go you you essentially after discovery and in, in one of our conversations mm-hmm. acknowledge that there there came a point where you had a lot of agony about it because you did view it as cheating yeah. on me, but you didn't originally so like was that sort of part of the spiritual transition that you had, or like, do you ever remember a point or a period of time where you had that shift? Or did it, did I don't it all remember that together? per se.
1: I think I think I remember having this standard when I was um, in my high school relationship and in my first marriage. That I always want to act in a way that if um, and, and you, I had this kind of thought too, which which led. I always want to act in a way that if you were watching me. In, in, or my first girlfriend, or whatever, was watching me. That they they would find no no issue, mm-hmm. right? And so um, that's what made this having that standard and then devolving into this thing was was crazy. So I, you know, I think I think I always knew that. Cats back. Um, I always knew that, um, but I think that. Probably I felt that way because it had an infidelity piece to it, and maybe I just couldn't put my finger on it necessarily as mm-hmm. infidelity. It was more of a yeah. well, you, know, you really shouldn't do these things or whatever. Yeah. And so, so yeah, it was. It, it's a it's hard to put a finger on like well, it was this date at this point, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I think I think you know that's probably why I answered you the way I did when you asked me when we were dating because I was like, well, I don't want you to think that. You know that there's that there's an issue with me, or that I'm not a good person, or I'm not. You know what I mean. What are you talking about
0: when when we were dating?
1: Yeah, well, when we were dating, and you'd ask about pornography and had I been exposed to it, you know, or or, did you
0: do you look at it? Yeah,
1: do I look at it? And so I didn't want you. You know, I I knew then that that was a a topic of yours that you didn't want. And at the time, you know, from my recollection, there was not any engagement in it. And
0: so, so we've talked about this too, but I think this is mm-hmm. an interesting point to kind of share with people. You don't actually know because when, because at that time, when you, when you answered that question, you mm-hmm. didn't really have this deep moral issue with it. You just didn't like how you felt when you did it. Right. And so, we've talked about you, you remember or you feel like you were in a purge phase when we met or, right. or at least while we were dating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't actually know because with the with the morality piece of it checked off, you may have just been feeling okay that you were, you know, looking at Instagram or looking at um, still pictures or whatever and checked that off the box of, well, I wasn't engaging in cyber sex with real individuals, so I'm good. Right. Right? Like, yeah. so because there's a lot that you don't remember – Yeah. And there was even a lot during discovery that you didn't
1: remember. Of course, yeah.
0: But you felt like at the time you were in a purge. So when you answered that question, you were like, I have um, engaged in it in the past. I had a bout with it. I didn't like who I was. I remember specifically you were like, I had had an issue with it or I used it or whatever. However you described it. But then you were like, I didn't like who I was, so I stopped. And it it was like this communication of, well, I just didn't like it and I stopped and I was in complete control and that's not who I am. Right, right,
1: yeah. Which is it's interesting because the the story is somewhat true, right? I didn't like who I was. I I think I told you the reason why I had you know, engaged in it more, and that was truthful. You know what I mean, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so it's it. You're right. There's a lot to this that's hard to recall, and like you were know, yeah. I guess that's the the one positive thing when we were looking back is there the fact that I spent money. There was a monetary um, snapshot of of behavior. You know what I mean? Positive
0: in the sense that um, we were able to kind of build a picture of what the addiction looked like, whereas otherwise it would have been a little more difficult for me to kind of piece it together. Right not understanding
1: mm-hmm.
0: your side of it and with you being in the attic brain not remembering specifically because it just all, all sort of mushed together right. so that I was able to see okay well how many hits a day how much money over yeah. the period of time and through the progression of years how did that shift um and so I was able to see it's very clearly binge perch um cycle
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: very very clearly it was a very repetitive cycle right. until essentially it just overwhelmed you. And it was very, very, very consistent. Right. Um, and then the, you know, money increase and, yeah. and
1: well, and, and what's interesting, and, and this just came to mind is you have these, I think you have these things when you're in it and, and you don't realize it's, it's an addiction. And you think that well, once the next thing changes, like I remember thinking once we moved into this house, it would be a complete new start and then it would, it would be great. Right. And so Yet it, it increased even further. And so that was shocking and, and, you know, kind of confusing. Like, what the heck is, why can't I just put this behind me? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that was sort of describing the addiction. Why don't you talk about, um, describe your feelings the first few days as we were going through the discovery process. (laughs) What was going on in your head, (laughs) you know, when I found the apps and when you were still trying to be in denial and then um, what were you feeling when you started confessing and then what were you feeling when we really you essentially there was a point and this was a pretty definitive point where the wall came down and you said I'll answer any questions. So what was the progression there?
1: So I think um, I remember and we talked about this in a previous podcast about um, saying I, I need to start to, I need to tell you you know and so that in a weird way felt good because it felt like I was no longer alone in it um, I would say in the first couple of days until I got really into the conquer group and started going to therapy I didn't know anything about addiction recovery I didn't know anything about that. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to white knuckle. I'm going to relapse. You're going to find me somewhere. And like, like, I just didn't know. I had no idea. Like, how was this going to go? Like, if I'm an, if I'm an addict, you hear all these crazy stories and all, all these different things. So I, I was, I was both excited about the fact that it was starting, that I was starting down this healing journey. I was um, horrified that I had hurt you and then I would have to talked to Keegan about it and you know, what I represented was no longer um, factual anymore. And so that it was a mixture. It was a really kind of a really big feeling of relief, which is palpable and I kind of recall that, but the, the, the and I've said this before, I, I resolved that we weren't gonna make it. So I was like, well, don't do anything like don't do anything stupid with the money to make you think that I'm trying to hide money. Like I was like, I was like, I'm going to be as transparent as I can because I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. And all, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was really kind of my thoughts were going there. I'm going to go get healing. And I remember telling you like, Hey, no matter what happens with us, I'm still going to heal. Like I remember, I think if you recall me telling you mm. that, but, um, yeah. I, so it was, you but know, with
0: that, what was your, so as you're going through this process and it was all coming out, you're feeling mm-hmm. the relief, but I think people really have a hard time believing that you were more excited about recovery than you were tempted to relapse. So can you talk about the emotions that you were feeling when you started discovering that there was uh, a path to healing?
1: Yeah. Um, almost like a, like a, you know, like I was telling you, like, Oh, so I can I can actually be that eighty five year old widower in a nursing home and and do. Why arts are you and, killing me off? <laughs> do, well, it's, just, it's like it's I like know, the nightmare that. scenario, but yeah. it switches it. It now starts to become a beautiful scenario. I'm making, I'm eating the glue um, or, or whatever, and I'm making arts and crafts and I'm having a good time, right? And so that's a really like, oh my gosh, that's the life I wanted that I wanted to live. And so one I of the have th- to
0: find you a nice, a yeah, nice home with a yeah, nice, nice home.
1: But you know, one of the things that, that comes up in conquer and it's something I started to think about right away is now I have the opportunity to finish well. And so finally this is like an opportunity for me to do this. And you know, over two years you don't really know what that means, right? Other than I want to finish well. I want to do the right thing. I want to be somebody. Like like we didn't know at all how God was going to use us to to do, you know, to create programs and lead groups. You you have no idea what any of that is Mm -hmm. other than like now's the path forward. I wasn't um, naive about how hard it may be. Um, I think I was unaware of of how angry you were and what betrayal trauma turned out to look like. Mm. That was a a bit shocking to me, I think. And I think partially because I felt like, okay, it's going to come out. I'm going to get into therapy. I'm going to do all that stuff. You're going to leave. And so that's going to be what it's going to be. And so, like, because there were a couple of times I was like, you know, in my weird brain, I'm like, wouldn't it be easier to split up than to kind of go through through this? You know what I mean? You're probably. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. So I mean, <laughs> I it's just,
0: that's the easy choice.
1: Yeah, right. So I think I think that's the thing I was I, that took me a little bit by surprise was. Was the amount you would get triggered and and stuff like that? We'd have a beautiful moment that would switch to a tough moment that would sometimes switch right back to a beautiful moment, and so those were <laughs> like, "Whoa, what is going on?" And I had to really teach myself how to be present in those, and you helped me through that as well. But um, does that answer the question?
0: Yeah. What made? What well, I guess going back to the um, it was about two weeks in when you really said, "Okay, I'll answer any question." What was the the switch that kind of flipped in your brain that said, okay, I'm done lying about this because mm. up to that point, there were still partial truths yeah. and denials, even mm. though you were pulling the layers back and letting me know and yeah. confessing and I was right. finding stuff and you were, it, it was um, interesting to watch that because I mean, interesting but now, two years later, but mm. in the moment it was really stressful because I really was trying to figure out what I could believe and if I could trust you. Right. And for the first two weeks, it was really touch or go because there was, so much lying but so much truth being told and it was very confusing and mm-hmm. then it was a very clear point where you you were basically like whatever you find whatever you ask, I will tell you the truth no matter what
1: yeah I think it's um <laughs> as you're asking that question I was like I, I, I think there was there was part of it I think Ted Roberts, but the way he communicates in the Conquer group, he's the guy that, that created it. You know, he's an ex-Marine Corps fighter pilot who fought in Vietnam. So he's kind of a tough as nails guy. And, you know, I think there's a couple things that came up, like you gotta put your big boy pants on, you gotta do and I was like, you know, they're right. I mean, this is what it takes to heal. And and I also kinda I think I think I do feel somewhat of the responsibility of you know, I have a responsibility to Keegan. I have a responsibility to show him that hey, you can screw up, but this is how you navigate through healing. And you know, I didn't always do it right, but you know, I was I was thinking about that, that he was gonna be watching and that he was mm-hmm. gonna be looking. And I also felt like like I think a little bit along the lines of if there's gonna be any chance for us, then I have to start moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, through the conquer they talk, and, and you know, my therapist talked me, you gotta break the denial structures. You got to break, that. that's one of the first things you have to do is stop denying what you're doing, denying what you are, denying, you know, those, those kinds of things.
0: Right. So uh, I think, oh gosh, I think it was the second or third day. It was very fast. Very, very fast. I had, I had this um, planner that had 90 day countdowns in the back of it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had like 90 day countdowns segments that you could so I made a copy of that and it was literally within the first like two or three days we were we were like okay we're gonna start counting your sobriety dates Mm because once I figured out that this was like this you when you originally started confessing you were so broken and so like devastated and the way you came to me was I'm broken I'm overwhelmed I don't want this I need help that's really the way you presented it is that I hate this I don't want it and so while, yeah, over the next couple weeks and months and, you know, years, I was processing the betrayal and trauma. From the very beginning, we sort of teamed up to, oh, get, yeah. to get you sober and get you into recovery. And so I remember pulling that out and making a copy of it. And um, like literally it was day two or three, you started checking off the days. Right. And, um, and then we really started marking um, the happy moments even, even though they, there was a tremendous amount of stress. So I've gotten you coins. So I got you like the three-month, mm-hmm. the six-month, the year. Um, so talk about your thoughts. Am I
1: getting a <laughs> two-year? Wait and see, I guess.
0: No pressure.
1: Wow. Um,
0: so, um, so talk about, you know, what's your – because I know you have some different thoughts on counting yeah. days, but I think for in the beginning that wasn't just important for you. That was that was actually important for me mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. see yeah. um, that that we were doing this, we were doing it together. That you were dedicated to checking off. We actually made it a thing for a long time that we did together. At the right. end of the day, we would go in together. I would watch you check it off, yeah. and it was like a thing that we would do mm-hmm. as we were establishing safety and this right. foundation of you getting into sobriety. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. Um, I actually think, I mean, I, I do believe that there is a, a positive effect to counting. I think, uh, and so doing the, we actually made four copies. So there's four 90-day uh, counters that we did, and I checked them all off until I hit a year. Um, I do still keep a count in a five-year journal I have. Um, and so it was a, uh, being able to, you know, check off four Ninety-day sheets is a is a is a really really cool thing, and it starts to build um, some faith in yourself, some mm-hmm. faith in the process, faith in you know, hey, that that you can do this, mm-hmm. you know. But I do remember kind of kind of looking at it because I would write the dates on there. I would kind of okay, the January th- or uh, you know March first is first is going to be here, and mm-hmm. and so I would think about that while I was working and stuff like that. So I kind of had it's just the way my mind works. I have to kind of assign a date to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was. I mean, it was a, I, I was telling somebody this story the other day. I actually think I was telling you, I remember walking over there and checking off like day seven or whatever. And you were like, yay. Or Yeah. You know, like you said that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what did, what did my life become? You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, like,
0: I was trying to be supportive. No, you were.
1: <laughs> and it was wonderful. And, and I was excited. Right. But I was like how did this get to this? You know what I mean? And and it was, it was both devastating, but also a a useful tool to kind of tick through it. It it
0: was an interesting emotion for both of us because we would both go in, we'd check it off. Mm -hmm. I would try to encourage you like, Hey, that's great. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we were both kind of like, fuck my life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, I can't believe I got to do that. How did I get myself here where I got to do this? You know what I mean? And stuff like that. But, um, but no, it was, it was really helpful. And you know, there's a couple. There's like sobriety today. There's a lot of apps that are out there for counting. So, my my, do you want me to talk about my thought process on counting now? How it's shifted? Sure. Okay. So the the whole point is, I think I think those are very effective things, but it could indicate a little bit more of a performance mindset and maybe a white knuckling mindset as opposed to just living and healing.
0: So you have to be aware of your personality, what you're using it for, right? Right. right exactly. So for you, I do think that. Um, there's there's almost like a symbolism to it because you had used the five-year journal and attempted to count down so many times right and right. it didn't work so yeah. for you at least in the beginning I think it was really empowering for you to see that you got past I mean your journals it would be three four five days max yeah yeah
1: right right yeah i I do think that's it it's like a uh, when I look at the five-year journal because the way it's the way it's split up now is two years were in addiction and the last two to three years have been in sobriety in that journal, the, the, you know, the following two years. So it is interesting to kind of contrast that and go yeah. back and forth between the two and say, hey, this journal now is a story of healing and recovery and victory versus... It's a,
0: going to be three years versus two. Right. At the end of it. Yeah. And um, it was also really helpful because... I would sometimes I would get really sad for no reason or what I felt like was no Mm -hmm. reason. And you'd be able to look back in your journal and be like, oh, this particular day last year or this week last year, this is what we were dealing with. And it was really hard. And it was actually just this trauma cellular memory in my body that would kind of make me depressed that week. And um, that was really helpful. But what you're saying is you think that depending on your personality, you want to make sure that you're using the counting for um, a healthy reason—you're right. not depending on it, right. and right. it's not controlling you, and it's not—it's not, um, not white knuckling. Yeah, it's more of a celebration, right?
1: And I think as you move into your you know third year recovery, fourth year recovery, you're living life in a healthy fashion, mm-hmm. and. It, while it may be really good for you to kind of keep counting days, the point is, is it's not necessarily about the days. It's about the moments. It's, it's about, just this is who you are now. Yeah, this is this is you live a life of integrity, and you do what you say you're going to do, and you live transparently and ask for help when you're when you're needing
0: it. So I think the way we talk about it sometimes, um, we may accidentally give this impression that it was easy. You know, we were given the steps. We did the steps. We're here. We're happy.
1: You thought um, it was hard? <laughs> Oh no! Yes.
0: So, you know, and and the thing is, we do want to we do want to share a story of hope because mm-hmm. that a lot of that's not out there. Yeah. But that doesn't diminish the difficulties that we face along the way. Right. So, um, what what do you think were some of the biggest things you struggled with during recovery?
1: I it was very much surrounding you and I. I think I really kind of figured out very quickly that I was going to, you know, and I don't know when that happened, whether that was we gate, you know, the end of 90 days, I felt like, okay, I, I've got this. I've, I understand the, uh, the patterns. I'm not arrogant, but I understand what I've got to do. And, and, you know, they were asking me to kind of lead groups fairly early. I resisted for a while. And, and so I just felt very confident that that piece was going to get solved. I also felt very confident that Keegan and I were going to be okay. I actually, you know, was able to talk to him and and work through that with him. What really was challenging was the relationship repair. And it was like I said, it was, you know, sometimes when you go through this, you'll have a week of you and I being fine and then all of a sudden you'll get triggered by something and it'll just really bother you and and it just makes you sad and all of these different things. It's almost like a flashback, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And And so you have a tendency, what I had to really work through, and I remember. So this is kind of the the way, you you asked me to sleep downstairs. I did, I was more than willing to do that. It was actually a good time, you know, good moments for me to kind of spend some time on my own reflecting and reading and stuff like that. And um, what it started to turn into was a little bit of a crutch. So if you were like, I'm just really hurt tonight, I don't know whether I want to talk, I would say, okay, see ya, and I would leave. And you're like, no, that's not, I need you to be present. I need you to be here. And so I had to really learn how to kind of hold your pain, even though I had caused it. And so that's that's a really hard thing for for people to do in these situations because they just want to run away. And that's because that's a shame making you do that. So I would say that was absolutely the most difficult piece. And as we've kind of decided to, as we're trying to work on our own intimacy with each other, that's been challenging too, as we, as we kind of move through that, you know, you struggle with the, and it's hard to hear that, the comparative piece, you know, you've talked about that. I struggle with the comparisons and, you know, and, and I
0: struggle with the comparison. Right, yeah. Yeah.
1: You struggle with it. And as the guy, as the guy who who did the stuff, but no longer does it, what am I going to say? You know what I mean? So you try to, to use reassuring words. And, and so that was another thing. It was, it was, it was, the words were hard because, um I had lost words, right, and so like I couldn't use certain words at various moments. A lot of those have come back.
0: What you're saying is specifically just to clarify there was specific terminology that was triggering to me for various reasons of things I had discovered. Yeah. And so there were ways of of you speaking to me that were kind of off limits because it would, it would trigger me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so it was hard to navigate that, but I, I remember you always were like, well, I need you to flirt with me. And so I was like, uh, it, was, it was hard to like like. Oh, I've got four words I can use, and you know what I mean. I can only touch you on the shoulder, and so like, so it was it was really hard. And, and I didn't really felt like like you know. Sometimes when you flirt, it's because your heart is light, and you're you know you're open and you're honest mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's hard to flirt when your heart is not light and you're working on your own crap and and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I needed I needed af- I needed a lot of affirmation mm-hmm. um, because I was really struggling with. Um, body image and self-confidence issues after and through all of this. And then, and because of some of the stuff from my past as well, it sort of really blew up previous traumas Mm -hmm. in my life and just all the trauma debris was kind of floating around at the same time. So anything from my past that was unhealed, this essentially Mm -hmm. brought to the surface. So I was not only dealing with body image issues and self-confidence because of your behavior. It was like all of the stuff that I had dealt with from the past around those topics were then blown up and accentuated, and it's like almost like validated, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, so that was really, really, really hard. So, yeah, it was um, difficult navigating being around each other in any sort of uh, flirtatious or romantic or right. any right. any sort of marital connective way for a really long time. Right. I would say. We're almost wrapping up, well, we're right at the end of the second year, coming Mm -hmm. into the third. And I would say the second half of the second year is really when things started escalating quickly in terms of progress, escalating in a positive way. In terms of progress with um, feeling really safe, really grounded, really relaxed, being able to joke with each other, being able to laugh, being Mm -hmm. just like way more chill in, in relating to each other in that way.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's been an interesting, and you know, there are, there are stages for the, for the, you know, Patrick Carnes. I was actually showing the group this morning. Patrick Carnes has, there's stages that you go through and, and, um, you know, it's, it's denial. It's, it's all these, different, grief is one of them. And I remember grieving at one point for kind of what, you know, what was lost with us, you know, what I mean, that, la- that loss of innocence, that loss of, and I know you went through it too. But, I, was, I
0: was sitting you here thinking, tell me about it.
1: Yeah. So I mean, like, I, I that was re- the worst. Yeah, and just I
0: put that was really one of the hardest parts for me because I viewed it as so good mm-hmm. before. What I did not think we had a bad relationship that, oh well now we can build something better. I thought we had like the best relationship. Right. So how could we ever get that back, that right. lightness, that freeness, that happiness, that yeah. safety. Mm-hmm. And that was Crushing. That was devastating to right,
1: me. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was, you know, I had to go through a lot of those, those emotions too. But, you know, from a, you know, coming up on two years, they, they say it takes two to five years and Ted Roberts took three and a half. So that's, that's kind of like my next goal is, is to get there. But I, you know, I, I, I feel, um, in control mm-hmm. now. I feel, um, like I've learned a tremendous amount. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I feel like I'm extremely lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I don't feel like I've arrived yet. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's, there's still more work that has to be done. And, and it's relating to, you know, how do you manage um, work relationships? How do you, you know, there's just a lot and a lot of it you, you don't know how you're going to respond to it until it comes up.
0: What do you mean work relationships? Well,
1: you just, you know, I've got this, you know, I, I've, I've, my, the organization that I manage is two plants and one's being built. Mm-hmm. And so we haven't, we've done, I've done some travel. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have to be mindful. You're going to be traveling
0: more. Is traveling saying, more yeah. and
1: there's stress associated with that. And, you know, this is, you know, you, this is a coping mechanism to deal with stress and, and things like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm very aware and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, sobriety plan and all of those things. And I want to because I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ever go back to those things. So.
0: so you are fairly unusual in that you've never relapsed mm-hmm. in the two years. Yeah. So, I, I, I do think a lot of people have a hard time believing that you've done that, for Saul and also that that's possible. So, what do you think has helped you the most?
1: That's prevented me from relapsing, or just...
0: Uh, I, I don't know if you want to view it as preventing relapse, or mm-hmm. as much as, like, what helped you most to get into recovery so that you weren't relapsing? I like, think, what do you think helped your mindset yeah, or your, your ability I, to get into recovery? I think
1: there's a couple things. I think number one, never wanted to do it again. Like I was, my mind was, was made up and I felt like this was an opportunity finally to stop, you know, to get some help to stop this. Mm-hmm. Um, as I learned the process, I was like, I was like, this is a process I can do. You know, this is the, you know, turn your phone off 30 minutes before bedtime. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I can do that. Duable, yeah. yeah, it's doable. And, and journal in the morning. I can do that. I, you know, write yourself a letter, a 10 year letter. I can do that. You know, so there's some, there's some de- definitive concrete things. And so I also had a therapist who, uh, I also read a lot. I read a ton about, I've actually was making the comment this morning that I may grab some of those books because some of those books I read through, I was in trauma brain. And so i probably get a little bit more out of them now, but I, I really sought to learn a lot about what, had happened to me and, and the impact on me and you and Keegan, you know, what, what it would all mean. And so I, I, I did that. I think, I think I had great support from you. I, have I've said this before. I don't think I could have done it without you. I don't think I could have done it without your attitude, without your, um, you know, grace and, and Keegan's love and your love and, and boundaries. You know, I think, I think you know, you, you said from the get go, if you do this again, you know, it's over. I kind of thought we were over anyway. So I was just waiting for that to happen anyway. But I understand why you said it. Um, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, it's always, you can never really say, well, that had the biggest effect or that. Had mm-hmm. it. But I, you know, I, I really did want to, at least if we divorced, you would say, hey, I really hated that part about you, but I really appreciated how hard you worked. You know, and I'm sorry, we didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, some, something along, as opposed to, the the you know relapsing and you know like that whole thing you know if we were going to split up I wanted it to be calm reasoned amicable versus explosive hurt anger you know that 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 sort of thing. I felt like I owed it to both of us to kind of say let's navigate through this and see where we're going to end up so mm-hmm. so there's a lot of, I mean there's a lot of things that I think contributed to that um, so
0: you kind of mentioned a couple things so education mm-hmm tools, processes, steps, Yep. Uh, and then really important application, you did all of those things. I did, yeah. There was not, I don't think, in my memory, there was anything that someone presented to you as a benefit to recovery that you were like, nah, I don't think I'll do that. That's right. not Yeah, me. yeah, Yeah, I did <laughs>
1: if, all of it.
0: If your therapist gave you homework, you did the homework. Yeah. If your group gave you something to journal, you journaled.
1: Yeah. Um, I will say this, and I've learned this leading the groups, I've never been wounded in you know and wounds are interesting right they're personal and things like that i've never been wounded in a way where i really really worked hard on something and i didn't get it Mm. so my whole track record in my life is you work really really hard you're going to get it you know being a blackhawk pilot maintenance test pilot getting into west point going to get my my mba degree Mm. becoming a plant manager you know and so i don't have that history i have noticed that there are some other men who've had that history mm-hmm. they worked really really hard and they didn't get something mm-hmm. so what i found with them is that's a wound for them and it it makes it a little bit harder for them to jump into doing the stuff because they don't they necessa- expect it to fail yeah they mm-hmm. expect it to fail that's i think that's
0: that's another self-protecting right well, i don't right. want to get hurt so i just won't yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense everybody's traumas and wounds are different so that's that was another thing i was going to mention too when you were talking about things that helped you most i think underlying all of those things, the tools, Mm -hmm. the resources, homework, everything. Underneath all that, what all those things are pointing you to is probably the primary driver for your recovery, which is dealing with the trauma and the emotions. Right, right. Yep, absolutely. So identifying limiting beliefs about yourself, identifying how you believed things that were negative or lies about yourself or who you are mm-hmm. um and then processing those cuz that's what drives the pain
1: right right yeah and and you know there's there was two areas where i was able to work through that in the conquer group you know they talk about wax and lax and then you talk about your 10, 10 worst moments and then you process through but you you know then in in therapy you develop a trauma egg and you go through that and what do those what do those traumas have an effect on you? And and occasionally people will say, well, now that, you know, that, that wasn't traumatic. I'm like, well, it's not really about what somebody else thinks about it.
0: There's the big T and there's the little T. I thought you were
1: telling me to stop. You're time, doing, out. You're like, <laughs> time out. You were like, time out. No, there's
0: big traumas, mm-hmm. you know, that we would associate as trauma as a world. Like there's rape and there's things. Right. And then there's little T traumas where I felt rejected by my parent. And and the, the reality is trauma of any kind is how your nervous system and your brain respond to that it's how your body it's not
1: really what happens to you it's how you respond it's
0: how your body internalizes an experience Mm -hmm. and so it could be for someone the smallest thing that out of that comes a negative belief that out of that comes negative behaviors and then as an adult you know, they're stuck in this addiction pattern. Um, Or, you know, maybe they don't have an addiction, but they're running up against this block in their life where they can't accomplish what they want because they have this self-limiting belief that came from this seemingly small T thing. So, yeah, we never want to diminish people's experiences because um, they they are all valid. And it's really how you internalize it and how painful it was for you and how your nervous system processed it at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And how how much of a rejection that felt, or how much abandonment you right. felt, or how much anger you felt, or whatever it was, and um, and so ultimately with these processes, that is that is the goal: identifying those, pulling them up from the root, replacing them with the truth, replacing them with positive beliefs, and that's what I do a lot with my betrayal clients too, because mm-hmm. the same thing happens; it happens to every single person.
1: Right. Yeah. So I, I no, I think the way you describe that is perfect. You you, know, you can. Because he, he, here's the, the, as you were talking through that, I think that's really important. You can write a 10-year letter. You can journal. And all these things help you maybe figure more out about yourself and what you want. But if you ultimately don't process those those deep hurts in your life, you're going to be back there. right?
0: It's like head, head knowledge versus heart change.
1: Right, right. So you're you're really going to have to, Have to get there and and be you know be deep and and um, and so I agree with you. I think it affects everything in your life. Could affect your health at some point, you know, and 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 those kinds of things. Yeah.
0: What are the biggest things you learned through sobriety and recovery? We kind of just talked about some of them, but
1: I think the notion of of trauma being personal. Um, I remember having said this about people like, why is that an issue? with people. So, you know, I was, I was certainly much more judgmental than I am today towards people. And you know, we're all judgmental, but, you know, I think what I, what I see is in some of my, some of my workplace stuff, I, I, you can kind of spot where somebody's hurt when they're underperforming or if they're upset about something, it's like, it comes from a wound. It may not necessarily be from, you know, from that particular instance at work, but they're reacting to that. Um, I think I learned um, that if you put in the work, good things will happen. It may not be exactly what you wanna happen, but good things are gonna happen. And as you become uh, more true to who you are, you know your true self, things are gonna change. Your perspectives are gonna change. Your relationships are gonna change. You may have to say goodbye to some people that were maybe part of a negative pattern in your life, but you know, or maybe some of those people will say goodbye to you too. But I think I think the 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 version that you become versus the version that you were is um, has far exceeded my expectations of, of what what it was or what I thought it would be at the start of
0: what you could accomplish. Right. Right. Yeah. And then, what gifts do you think recovery has given you?
1: I think I'm more. Um, attendant, That's not the right word. Present? Present. I'm definitely more present. Attuned?
0: Like emotionally?
1: Yeah, I think I'm more more attuned. I think I have um, discovered that relationships have conflict, and sometimes it's healthy. I grew up in an, in, a, in an environment where there was conflict in it. Not a lot. It wasn't like a crime or anything like that, but the belief I took from that is that you should never yell at each other. You should never have disagreement. And that's not realistic. You know, you gotta have disagreement, but in a relationship that's open and vulnerable, you can move through those things in a mutually supporting way. Um, and that it's possible. I mean, I, you know, we talked about this at the very beginning. I didn't think it was possible. And so like with everything that's happened now, the notion, and I started with this of finishing well, um, is important. And, It's achievable and it seems achievable to me. Mm -hmm. So, I actually, this is, I I remember thinking in my addiction, I remember telling you this that I can't get in a car accident, right? Because if anything, or a plane crash, because if anything bad happens to me, then you're going to find it out and all this stuff. Like, all of that worry is gone. You know what I mean? If, 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 you know, I don't want to be in a car accident, I don't want to be in a plane crash. But if those things happen, I am who I am, and and we've talked it out, and we've and we've solved this issue, and and so we you know we're we're ending you know whether it ends today or forty years from now or whatever, we're at a good point, and it's and it's you know it's it's what I think God has intended for for me and for you and hopefully for us as well.
0: So, would you say the biggest gift that recovery has given you is freedom?
1: Freedom, hundred percent. Yeah. Good
0: job. Thank you proud of you.
1: Thank you. Proud of you.
0: <laughs> Congratulations on two years, Patrick.
1: Thank you so much. and Thank you for everything that you've done. Today.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.